But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. The text that uh, that I have suggested in Matthew chapter 15, 13, 14 that was, that was read is actually the conclusion of a an exchange that Jesus is having with the religious leaders, the priests and the Levites and the Pharisees, who had confronted the disciples of Jesus with a question. And that question had to do with uh, whether or not they should be going through a certain type of ritual before they took a common meal. Now, the rituals, the, the rituals they were talking about had to do with the... Uh, ceremonial washing of pots and pans and tables and so forth. Mark chapter 7, the verse 23 verses, the first 23 verses, detail that as, long, as well as the first 20 verses in Matthew chapter 15. It details what was going on. And it details also the fact that uh, they were substituting a practice for the... Uh, children of Israel, or for those who were at that time trying to follow God, they were substituting a practice, or actually inserting a practice, into the religious temple of that time that was not found in the Old Testament. You can't find anything about it in the, in the Old Testament. Now, when, when Jesus addressed this subject, when he, when he got down to the point that he addressed the subject, he made the statement to his disciples that they were to beware of the fact that there were those who were teaching things that they had no, no business teaching, basically. They were teaching things that were not contained in the Old Testament. And he said, leave them alone. Leave the teachers alone. And, he, and then he said, because those who are leading the blind will fall into the same trap or ditch that those who are following them fall into. So he's talking about two different sorts of people or classes of people. He, he mentions the fact that there are those who are leading, calls them the blind. The blind are leaders, and there's some blind that are followers. So he's, he's actually talking about two classes of individuals. Now, a lot of things in the New Testament that we read about appear by themselves without any other framework around them, but this has some framework to it. This time when Jesus is talking, he's engaged in a actual, a, uh, not just a dissertation, but he's engaged in some, some sort of a controversy. Now, you don't find too many of those in the New Testament. You don't find too many of those in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, where Jesus is actually in controversy with the religious teachers. But here he is. And, and he's making a statement that is uh, extremely important. As a matter of fact, it has some, has some, has some uh, life or death consequences. Now, everything in our daily activity is not life or death in consequences. We'll do a lot of things. It has nothing to do with 
life or death. But sometimes somebody will run up and say, this is the life or death situation. You have to, you have to address it. Let me tell you that so much of our daily activities go on without that preamble. They're not life or death decisions that we make. But whenever we talk about God and about Jesus Christ and our relationship to God and our relationship to Jesus Christ, it is a life or death situation. Absolutely is. It is that important in our lives when we relate to God in any way, when we think, think about God, when we talk about God, when we think about Jesus and talk about Jesus, it is a life and death situation. Because one of these days, when our life is over, we're going to all stand before the judgment throne of God and give an account for what we've done. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. And especially what we've done in relationship to God in our activities that involve our God and involve Jesus Christ. Now, what Jesus is saying seems fairly simple when he says, let them alone. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. It's, it's, uh, it's maybe not impressive enough to us is what he's saying. Let me see if I can make that impression or, or, or follow through with that impression that I believe the Bible is giving us in this context. These people had a relationship to God that he's talking to. He's talking to Jews. They had a relationship to God that was formulated by their relationship to the Old Testament law. So, whatever the Old Testament law said, and it was given by Moses, whatever that said, that defined their relationship to God. So it was a life or death situation. God is life, and anything away from God is death. So they had a relationship with God that was defined by what the Old Testament said. And Jesus is saying here that they are missing the point. They are not teaching properly. And he's saying, if you, if, if you follow them, you're going to end up the same place they're in. Okay? Now, when, it, when he says that if the blind follow the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch, it, it, it maybe it gives us the impression that he's talking about walking along on a road, an elevated sort of a road, and that on either side there are ditches. We call them bar ditches or borrow ditches where you run the water off, off of the road. That if you don't stay on that well-known path, that you'll slip and fall into a ditch. <laughs> the word ditch here is from the word pit. He's not talking about slipping into a, a ditch in a little ways, a little, little side furrow and then crawling back out of it. He's talking about if you follow the blind, if the blind follows the blind, you'll both fall into the pit. The pit. Now, that's dangerous. That's not just foolhardy. That's dangerous. Because the pit, we'll learn later on, may be a lake burning with fire. So he's saying, if, if, you, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a pit. Okay. It is possible. 
it is very possible for us to get on the wrong track on a number of different things. That we can, we can, we can uh, be mistaken about a lo lot of different issues and items in our life. We cannot be mistaken about our relationship to God and to Jesus Christ. That's where we have no latitude. We're not to be mistaken about them. We're not to follow someone who doesn't know where they're going. Nor are we to lead someone when we don't know where we're going. That's an issue. And that's what Jesus is warning about. Now, he's not talking about lying about certain subjects. He's not talking about misleading people on different areas of their ordinary life. He's not saying don't follow someone that doesn't know how to give you proper economic advice, proper advice on uh, cultural advice. He's not saying don't, don't follow this. He's talking about our advice given to us in following God, in following our Father, in following Jesus that He sent here to guide us into eternal life. So, but He's not talking about a lie. When He talks about the blind leading the blind, when He's talking about blind leaders, He's talking about individuals who have deliberately and purposefully altered the truth, changed it. That's what they did. And when he said that, you know what? When he made that correction, then the disciples ran to Jesus and they said, Lord, Master, Master, don't you know that you insulted the Pharisees? You made them mad. You offended them. And Jesus, that's when Jesus replied here. He said, let them alone. Leave them alone. Every plant that my Father, Heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. And as far as the blind leaders are concerned, listen carefully. As, long, as far as the blind leaders are concerned, leave them alone. Because they are blind leaders. Don't follow them. Sometimes we wonder why, when a person is so well versed in the Scriptures... Why they don't see the truth. And Jesus had just confronted some like this because they saw the truth, they knew the truth, they understood the truth, but they distorted it. They didn't want it that way. Now, he's not talking about liars. He's not talking about people that are perverters. He's talking about people that are distorters. People that are changing what God has said. Now, this happened in the Old Testament. Here's the point. The point is that the Old Testament clearly defines God's relationship between Himself and His people. There, there are the first five, five books of the law in the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy, define that relationship. So all people had to do at that time was read that and apply it. Here's what we should do. Now, you're not going to find anything about cups and saucers and tables being washed and ceremonies like that in those first five books. It's just not there. It's not there. So what did they do? They distorted, they perverted, they changed, they manipulated, and they made the doctrine that they wanted. And Jesus had said, let them alone because they're blind leaders. They haven't been blinded. They are blind themselves. They have done this on purpose. Now, I'm going to read a text in Romans chapter 1 at verse 18 through 24 that defines these individuals. He's talking about, I believe, 
Paul is talking in Romans chapter 1. He's talking about the leaders in Israel, people who had the Old Testament law. And so here's what he says about them. He says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hinder the truth in unrighteousness. They're changing it and they're hindering it. They're perverting it. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. So God revealed His will. First five books, the Old Testament, the law, to these people. And Paul is saying, He showed it to them. They, they saw it. They know what it is. For He said, The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Now there's the point. Once you see the truth and you understand the truth, you have an obligation either to follow the truth or to say, I'm not going to. Or you can distort it, change it. You can alter it. And you can say, okay, I, I'm going I'm to suggest something besides the truth. And that's what these people were doing. They in, introduced something that wasn't in the Old Testament truth. Anyway, he said... It was understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So a person who is a blind leader has no excuse. No excuse. Now the question we're going to finally get to is, how about the blind follower? Does he have an excuse? So that's what we want to discuss eventually. He said, because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. You know what happened on Mount Sinai when the law was given? Moses went up on the mount to, get, to take, get the law for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he was gone, everybody decided they'd have a party. And they would make an idol like unto an animal that represented to them God. Well, what kind of foolishness was that? He said they weren't thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They made all sorts of images to God. These people who knew what God looked like, that He had no specific visage that, they want, that He wanted them to manufacture, but they did it anyway. He said, God gave them up to the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So, God gave them up. Well, He did. Read the Old Testament if you're not aware of that. God gave them up. He sent them into Babylonian captivity. And there, that's where He dispelled them. He said, okay, you're not going to follow Me. So He, he let them be led first into Assyrian captivity and then into Babylonian captivity. He gave them up. It's a serious matter when we talk about whether or not we ought to have the right concept of God and the right activity before God. Now that's what was happening here. Leaders that are teachers, and we're going to get to that point at this, at this juncture, it is necessary for us to understand, and we have before us, and it's a very simple matter, we have before us the book that contains all the information we need about knowing about God and about following Him. We have the book. And all we have to do is open the pages and read it. And then accept it. Follow it or not. Make that decision. Now, we can, at this point, 
recognize that it's, it's more responsible if we lead someone and teach someone than it is if we follow someone. But there's still responsibility. Now, James said in James chapter 3 at verse 1 and 2, and he's speaking by inspiration, he said, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So once we know what Jesus is talking about, once we know about Him, and it's very, very easy to find out about Jesus, and it's very easy to read about Him and understand what He said and what He stood for, and then read the Gospel about what He wants us to do. So now then we know who He is. Now we then are to teach someone else what we know about Jesus. But be careful. Be careful that you're not teaching someone your own opinion or your own judgment or your own background that you're teaching Jesus in his, in his purest form. And it's easy for us to get, get uh, lazy along this line and not accept that responsibility and not accept it with the dignity and the seriousness that it deserves. Teaching the gospel of Christ and teaching about Jesus Christ after Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead became an effort that he placed upon everyone who accepted the fact that he was the Son of God and obeyed the gospel. When Jesus rose from the dead, he took his disciples aside and took them into Galilee and taught them for a number of days and came back. And when he was with them, he taught them something just before he left. And that was, he said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then he said in Matthew chapter 28, that's Mark 16. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now he just told them, to go teach all nations. So whoever they teach are under obligation to go teach someone else. So it becomes a community effort. The 12 are sent out to teach, and when they taught and baptized, the ones they taught and baptized, they were sent out to teach, and that's the way it went, and that's the way it should have gone. Teaches, teaching is a fundamental obligation that falls upon a believer. Once you find out about Jesus... Once you obey Him, once you recognize that He is in your life and He's part of your life and He's governing your life, then your responsibility is to go tell somebody else about Him. Not about yourself, not about your opinions, not about your traditions, not about the things that you used to do or won't do or will do, but teaching about Jesus Christ. Teaching who He is. Now, it's obvious that a lot of things can get in our way. A lot of things can become burdensome to us. We can say, well, here's, here's what I believe that we ought to be teaching because we've done this all of my life. My parents did it this way and their parents did it that way and their parents before them did it that way and so we've got all the tradition that they did it that way. But is that the way we read about it in the, on the pages of the New Testament? You see, the responsibility is somebody in that group of teachers may have been blind. And so they brought that doctrine down to us and that information down to us and we didn't take the time to investigate it and find out that they were teaching what they wanted to believe rather than what is taught in the New Testament. 
on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, the point we're going to make right now is that everyone who obeys the gospel, and you, 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 if you're listening to my voice, you're probably one of those. You've obeyed the gospel. You've turned your life over to the Lord. And He's told you to know something about Him. We get to know Him. That we have to know Jesus. And once we know Him, then it is our obligation to go tell somebody else about Him. Not about ourselves. Not about our traditions. Not about our prejudices. Not about our hang-ups. We're talk, tell them about Jesus. And what He tells us to do who he is, and what he wants us to do. Okay. Now, we only get that information from the New Testament, from the book of Matthew through the book of Revelation. We, we, and it's so simple to find it and read it. There it is. Now, that's what the church did initially. When the, when the gospel was first introduced, that's what they did. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, Daily in the temple, and in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And then Paul later on would say in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, he would say that the gospel had been preached in all the world. That this word had come to them as it had in all the world and it was bringing forth fruit. Okay. So it's imperative that the teachers get the message clear. What I'm saying is this. As a Christian, you need to get the picture clear. You need to understand who Jesus is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot teach Jesus unless you know something about Him. And you cannot just pass on what somebody else may have told you because what somebody else may have said about Him may not be accurate. You need to make sure, if you're going to teach about Jesus, that you know who He is and what He taught what he stood for. It's imperative that we get that message straight and that we get it clear and that we teach it with accuracy. Now, in Acts chapter 20, verse 26, Paul said, and he's, he's talking to some elders from Ephesus, he's telling these men that they, they need to go teach about Jesus. And he said, I take you to record this day that I'm pure from the blood of all men. So what Paul is saying is, I am not a blind leader. So your blood is not on me because I've taught you correctly. I've taught you about Jesus. I haven't taught you my opinions. I haven't taught you my traditions. I haven't taught you my prejudices. I've taught you about Jesus. I've taught you the gospel. And he says, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which is purchased with his own blood. For I know this, and here's the, here's the danger, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. There's the danger. The danger is that we take the information that we have concerning Jesus Christ and we distort it. We change it. Why? In order to fit our mold, in order to fit our tradition, in order to fit our desires, 
We can't do that. If we're going to teach Jesus Christ, and if we're going to stand before Him in the day of judgment, and we will, and we, we need to do it as Paul did, we need to be able to say, I am free from the blood of all men. I have not taught you anything that I could not show you that Jesus was and, and wanted in the Scriptures. I have to do that. Now, that's what Jesus did while He was here. You know, they'd come to Jesus and they'd, they'd make accusations and so forth, and He'd say, search the Scriptures. They are they which testify of Me. So he, he said, search the Scriptures if you want to know anything. And he said, the reason you don't believe me is because you didn't believe Moses. The Scriptures, basically, is what he's talking about in John 5.39 and John 5.46. Okay. Now, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul made this statement again. He said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you in the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So this would be, if someone's preaching something other than the gospel, this would be a perversion of the gospel, and it would be an occasion of the blind leading the blind. So he's talking about blind leaders. Now, Ignorance is not excusable. You say, well, I, I went to school, and I went to a preacher's school, I went to a, 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 a religious seminary, I went to all these classes, and here's what they taught. And my response to that is, so what? So what? Are they teaching you a tradition? Are they teaching you their prejudice? Or are they teaching the Word of God? And the way you check that is, very simple, open your book. Open the New Testament. Read it. Find out. Ignorance is not an excuse. You cannot put the blame on someone else. And certainly, the, the blind leaders cannot blame anybody else. There is no such thing in the New Testament as passing the buck. You cannot pass the buck. It doesn't pass. It stops. You've heard that expression before. The buck stops here. That's where the religious buck always stops. With you, right there. You either know what the Bible says and you've studied it because you're not lazy, because you're, you're, uh, you're diligent. Now then, you're going to study it and you're going to find out for yourself. And you can compare. So all you have to do is open the book and find out whether it compares. Now, the, the point is, that when the blind lead the blind, there is a disaster. There is a disaster. It's a community activity, basically. If the blind just go along and lead the blind, and we, and, and we follow in behind them, not, not making sure of anything, just doing what they tell us to do, and doing what they say is right, then we have a mentality of blindness, basically, and it takes real effort on our part to resist that kind of pressure and step back and say, wait a minute, numbers don't always make right. It doesn't make any difference how many people believe certain things religiously that relate to God. And we're talking about things that relate to Jesus Christ and His will for us. It doesn't make any difference how many people believe something. If it's wrong, it's wrong. 
How do you know, preacher, whether it's right or wrong? Because we have the standard. We have the book. All we have to do is look at the book. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard to find. The one who blindly follows now, let's, let's talk about this from two different aspects. A blind leader is deliberately blind. They have made a choice. They've read the book. As a matter of fact, a lot of people can memorize the book from, can uh, recite the book from memory. And yet, they've decided not to do what the book says. But they've stepped aside and said, okay, we have a tradition we're going to follow. This is our tradition. Here's what we believe and teach. Here's what we believe and teach about Jesus because we've always believed and taught that about Jesus. Here's what we're going to believe and teach about Jesus because that's what we want to believe and teach about Jesus. Now that's a lot different than saying, okay, let's open the scriptures and say, book, chapter, verse. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's see what Jesus actually looks like. It's not that hard to find out what he looks like and what he said. Let's see what the gospel has to say about it. All right. The one who blindly teaches, and that's why it's difficult sometimes, to talk to someone who is steeped in religious paraphernalia because they have been brought up in it or they've gone to school and learned it or they've sat in classes and absorbed it, whatever it may be, when they start teaching it, then it's hard to reach them. And you know what Jesus said? Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Why? Because they are not guided by the Word. They're guided by something else. Leave them alone, Jesus said. They're blind leaders. And if the blind lead the blind, here's the point. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Now, the one who blindly follows can be pitied. If someone blindly follows something that's not taught and seen in truth in the gospel, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if it's not here, if it cannot be proven from the scriptures, if someone is blindly following someone else, they can be pitied, but they, they uh, are never justified. Can't be justified. What does that mean? It means that we shall all stand before the judgment throne of God. So even though the blind leaders are leading, I have a responsibility not to follow. I don't become blind simply because they are. Now there's the, there's the kicker, isn't it? You say, well, th th these, these people have just never known right from wrong. So they've, they've never known anything but this. And so you, you uh, say, here's, here's what somebody's teaching about Jesus. For instance, there, there are doctrines that teach that Jesus was not the Son of God. And there are thousands and thousands, even millions of people that will accept that. They'll believe that. Because blind leaders have told them that. And the blind leaders have the same book that you have and I have. And yet they've decided that they're not going to teach that. So you say, okay, what about these poor folks that are following them? Well, that's the blind following the blind. Okay. Well, we want to justify them. We want to say, okay, because they're, they're just followers and, and they're, they're not, they don't know any better. But you know, Jesus doesn't make that, uh, what would you call it? 
He doesn't make that exception. He doesn't say, all right, you can be blind, but, but uh, because you've been following someone blind, but it's okay. I'll, I'll accept that. But that's not true. We don't even accept that in matters of law. If you are in the company of a bank robber and you're driving the car, he robs a bank and comes out and jumps in the car and you drive off, you're an accomplice. You say, well, I didn't, I didn't rob a bank. No, but you were there. And you accepted it. And you, you said it's okay. It's okay to rob banks. The law won't accept that. And neither does God accept it. It's, uh, it's incrimination by association. Now I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tell you I'm going to give you two examples of this. The fact that that uh, it's not only the responsibility of the blind leader to quit doing what they're doing, but it's also the responsibility of the follower to quit following blindly. In the in the book of Luke, there's a couple of chapters. Luke chapter 19. And uh, in that, and also, I'll also refer to Luke chapter 12, but in chapter 19 first, it tells about a man who was a householder and he, and he uh, was a master and he took three of his servants and he said, I'm going to give you each some money. And he gave one a pound and he gave another one five pounds, another one ten pounds. That was probably denominations of money. And so he went into a far country and when he came back he wanted an accounting. So he came to the man who had the 10 pounds and he said, he said, Master, I, your 10 pounds have made another 10. So he gave him the 10 pounds. He said, okay, good and faithful servant, I'll make you over, uh, I'll, let, I'll let you rule over 20 cities. He gave him, he doubled his amount. Then the guy with the five came up and he said, uh, he'd made another five. So he had doubled his too, but it was just five. So he had five and he, was, he expected him to, take care of that and he did and the guy with the one pound came up and said I, I knew you're a harsh harsh master harsh taskmaster so I, I hid yours I didn't I didn't do anything with it you see the point the point is it didn't make any difference how much they had they each had a responsibility to put it to use so responsibility came with what God had given them so God has given us he may not make me the brightest smartest guy in the world but I have a responsibility to use my intellect and use what I have to do his business, to take care of what he told me to do. And what he told me to do was to read the scriptures and understand them and believe in his son Jesus Christ and then make my life, coordinate my life according to his will. Now I can come along and say I, I don't have as much ability and as much intelligence as this next guy. And that's what the, this fellow was saying. I only had one pound. And I didn't want to waste it, so he hid it. The other said, well, we'll do the best we can, and they did. And God blessed them for it. The second illustration, and that, that tells us that we each have a responsibility before God. And the second illustration is in Luke chapter 12. And this text says, verse 47, he said, And that servant, because the, the master had left his servant in charge of, of his affairs, when he came back, he said, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, he didn't take care of business, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Okay. Here's a person who knows 
what he's supposed to be doing and does not do it. And it says he's going to be beaten with many stripes. What about the poor schmuck that didn't know? The poor person that just didn't understand what was going on. The, uh, the individual that, that was in the dark, basically. And he says, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Well, here's one that knew what to do and didn't do it. Went about doing bad things. Here's another one that didn't know what to do and didn't really, didn't really make themselves available to do anything. Didn't really take responsibility to find out. But regardless of that, regardless of whether or not they knew to do good or not, they were beaten. One with many stripes, one with few stripes. So now I look at that and I think, okay, Lord, that means that I have a responsibility before you to find out about you. So here we are in a world that's created by a wonderful, majestic, merciful, gracious God. Beautiful world. What am I supposed to do? I can just blithely go through life and not even cast a care one way or the other, or I can see if I can find God. That's what I can do. Well, I can excuse myself. I don't have that kind of ability. Well, I've only got one pound, maybe. Or I've got ten pounds or five pounds. What? But I've only got one pound. But here's the idea is, I have a responsibility to find the truth. I have a responsibility to find God and to find Jesus Christ. And He's made it extremely easy, simple for us to do that. He really has. And the simplicity of, is that He sent His Son, Jesus, and the name of Jesus is spread over this whole world because the preaching of the gospel has gone out and people have gone forth showing who Jesus is, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and presenting Him for belief or unbelief. Now, I can open the Scriptures and I can read it and I can find Jesus very simply. And then I can also open the Bible and find out how God wants me to behave day to day. I can find that out. Now, as a people, the churches of Christ have over the years done something that's very good and is very commendable and should be emulated by others. Whenever we want a question settled regarding God, we look to the Scriptures and we make the statement, book, chapter, and verse. That's what we do as a people. We make sure that what we're teaching and believing about Jesus Christ is accurate. It is what the Bible teaches. It's how it's presented. And when we're asked what we practice and what we do as a people, we, took, we look to the book. We don't look at a manual. We don't look at a discipline. We don't look at a concord. We don't look at a, a directive anywhere. We look at the scriptures and say, okay, here's what God said that we should do as what activity we should follow in order to please our God. We look to the Scriptures because we do not want to fall into the pit. God help you do that. And God help you do other people. Do that for other people. Not only follow the Word yourself so you don't fall into the pit, but when you're leading someone else and showing them 
that you show them the way instead of blindly following or having them to blindly follow you without the scriptures. God help you do that.